Welcome to Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we're coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a room and ride with us. Well, welcome to this week's episode, Magic, the Occult, and Being a Skeptic. So, why don't we introduce ourselves? Okay, so I'm Sylvia, and um, I'm here to just be a, a teacher, to, uh, to be a conversationalist, to um, have fun. I'm just here to enjoy a ride with magic. And yeah, I think we're both here to help answer questions and magic, possibly some more other things mm -hmm. intertwined, um, but also make sense of it from learnings that I've had and perspectives that I've formed over the years. So to give you a backdrop of how each of us got here, we thought we'd share a little something about ourselves. All right. So I was uh, born and raised here in Oregon, and um, it's... Uh, an open, kind of a very open-hearted state. We have a little bit of everybody here, and so that gave me a chance to um, experience a very open-hearted way of living. Um, yeah. And I, Tatiana, here, um, was born uh, and raised on the East Coast. I was born in Nashville, New Hampshire, but I lived a good portion of my life in New Jersey. However, it was close enough in the New England area. Um, and after having lived in Florida for 18 years um, and learning some things down there, I ended up moving out to Eugene. I was called out here pretty much in a magical way, but I find Eugene to be extremely open and welcoming. It's nature-based in almost every way and people are very self-aware. And I think that's what drew me out to here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's see. Yeah. So let's see what I do today is, um, I work for a nonprofit retail company in their book section. I get to be surrounded by books all day long and I love it. And she's a bookaholic. Yep. My apartment is full of books. <laughs> well, I, at this point in my life, own my own business. I do house cleaning and some pet sitting. But I'm hoping to live magic in all levels of things that I do, work included. And I think I fall shy in the work department as far as magic goes. Mm. So what brought us to magic? Oh boy, um, curiosity. Um... I've been curious all of my life about the occult and magic, and um, I knew magic existed from a fairly young age, even though I didn't call it magic and nobody told me about it. It was uh, a wonderful connection to the earth. And um, uh, eventually I came upon a teacher who taught ta Tatiana, who um, took me in, for a year and a day and taught me of magic and yeah and here I am <laughs> and you were a magical student <laughs> so and you really were didn't need much help at all 
it's a little bit of guidance structure maybe, but no, you, you had it all. Mm -hmm. So I came to magic, um, because I sensed it in me ever since I was a kid and it actually runs in my family, but it's extremely hushed. Okay. You're hearing my cat in the background playing with magical stones. Anyway, um, it, so it was extremely hushed and I came to magic as I know it did today from a longing. I was, you know, went through Christianity and Catholicism for a bit. Uh, was never devout in anything, always looking for a place. And I had an old boyfriend come through and he offered me this book, but the truth about witchcraft today. And and he just dropped it off to me during his visit and he left it with me and I just grabbed it, started reading it and suddenly I felt I found my home. It was pretty instantaneous. I was just like, oh my gosh, I found my home and I'm not alone in this. I am not the only one who feels this way. And it was an amazing revelation for me. Yep. For me too. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a feeling of home. It took a year for me to settle in and go, okay, this is, this is really what I want, but it felt like home from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, I started searching out, like, stores that would have, you know, magical stuff. And I came across a store that ended up being um, the place that had a coven for me. And I joined the coven, and that was it. I, I was sold. So, let's see. What influences did I have? Um, honestly, uh, most of the influences I had were my own. Because um, my mom was a very hands-off kind of parent. And so she let me kind of do my own thing. And so I kind of raised myself in some ways. In other ways, I raised her. Um, but, uh, oh my goodness, my curiosity. Um, Tatiana influenced me. Um my own spirit guardian influenced me. Um, she was there in the deepest, darkest depths of my depression, and she helped me keep going. Well, I was influenced by, like, a lot of things and then also nothing at all because I felt magic ever since I was a kid. I didn't put a name on it right away because mm. I didn't know, but when I looked back later, I went, oh, my gosh, I knew this from, like, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. And playing around with it as a kid, not knowing what it was. And then, you know, there was the normal kid playing around with stuff, you know, two fingers lift each other up kind oh, of thing. Yeah, of course. But, you know, that was all fun and games, but also there was truth in it. Um, it didn't hurt at all that I did get a chance to go to Salem when I was young at a very impressionable age. That was really awe-inspiring, eye-opening, historic, which I love history. Mm. Um, and so, and the injustices of it, like, really intrigued me. Yeah. So that drew my attention. There's so much around that. And definitely, I was an avid TV watcher. So I watched it all the time. And there, of course, that influenced me, I'm mm. sure, a great deal. In my teenage years, I experienced a lot of um, maybe esoteric type dreams, occult type dreams that were very scary, 
they felt extremely real and I to this day believe they were it felt like spirits were calling me a lot of them were negative I you know felt they were wanting help and a lot of times I felt that minute I wanted to help them they would suck me in and it would go very negative and I slowly learned to step away from that but it was definitely a drawing force and being that I'm bipolar I get drawn to some of the darker things much more easily because it's very alluring, it's very enchanting, it's very creative. Mm-hmm. So it was a little harder to step away from that, but it is something that influenced me. But I think the biggest influence was studying it and living it. Once I came to realizing that there was something out there like this that could actually be studied, I just was like a first-timer who won the jackpot. I was just like, <laughs> kid oh in the my candy gosh, store. that's right, kid in the candy store, I can't get enough of this, let me just dive in, and I, I did, so that's how I came to it, was it what I was influenced by. And let's see, um, so how long have I been doing uh, witchcraft and magic? Um, it's been about six years. Um, I've been a solo practitioner and, um, I haven't practiced as much as I'd liked, but, um, I always try and observe the holidays. Yeah. So I bring, you know, some studious aspects, I guess. I studied it, uh, once I found my coven for three years and a day, which is the traditional amount in a coven. Uh, and once I did that, because I chose to graduate a certain way through that, it was a vow that you take to also teach it the exact same way it was taught to you at least one time around. So when I moved out to Oregon, I found some students who were interested and I taught them for the three years in a day, which actually was more than three years in a day. Technically, sort of didn't keep to that guideline, but (laughs) I did teach two more rounds of it after that. And so I got a cumulative 10 years with it Mm. um and then I took sabbatical that sort of took me away from it but I'm trying to come back and immerse myself again and learn again and there's so much new information out there now I just feel like that kid in a candy store again yeah so that's another reason why I'm here okay cool so to learn and also to hopefully offer some guidance nice so first up on our uh, docket of things to, to talk about um, is actually uh, the god, god goddess of the podcast, or of the day anyways, the week. This podcast we have Eos, the Greek goddess of dawn and dew. She is said to have rosy fingers, a saffron colored robe, a tiara, and a pair of wings. Her duties included driving away the dark in the morning and announcing the arrival of Helios through the sun. Some stories have her accompanying her brother Helios throughout the day. She was the daughter of the two titans Hyperion and Thea. She's sister to the sun god Helios and the moon goddess Selene. Was mother to the four winds and the morning star as well as the the rest of the, the known planets at that time. Common stories about her was that she was cursed by Aphrodite for sleeping with Ares to never be sated in love or lust, was known for having four mortal lovers, some of whom she carried off. Orion is probably the most well-known of the kidnapped, and he was eventually shot by Artemis in possible jealousy. 
Uh, Tithonus was a lover for whom Eos asked for eternal life, but forgot to ask for eternal youth. And so he grew old and dry like a husk. And in her sorrow and um, penitence, she turned him into a cicada. Um, interesting fact, she had two horses that pulled her morning chariot, Lampus and Phaethon, also known as Firebright and Daybright. Symbols of hers include horses, cicada, saffron, water pitchers, as she's sometimes depicted with them, and I think personally feathers mm. because of her wings. Oh, yeah. See that, and so she's of Greek mythology. Yes, just to be clear, okay, definitely Greek mythology. And for us, we, I think, well, you picked her out as our beginning goddess because I think, from what I interpret from that, is that you know this is our our first podcast dawning adventure, yeah, and also it is the springtime, yes, and we wanted to honor that. Yes, yeah, she is kind of a bit of the herald of our podcast, as she is the herald for the sun. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Uh, we just wanted to also do a little disclaimer here and let you know that we're just two regular people who are sharing and enjoying our time with you, talking about our experiences with magic and what we have learned. But that is exclusively what we have learned. It is different for everybody. It is individual for everybody. There is no right or wrong way to do it. And we just really want to put that out there to you. Yeah, everybody has their own way of going about things. And um, what we do may not work for you. And that is just fine. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to start ourselves off with some definitions just to make clear what we're talking about. Um, so for the first definition, we're going to define magic as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. And that was defined by Aleister Crowley. The second definition we wanted to cover is the occult. And we found a definition that said the occult is something that is not easily apprehended or understood, according to Merriam-Webster. And the third definition we have is the definition of the skeptic. So the skeptic questions the authenticity or validity of something claiming to be factual, as defined by Dictionary.com. Okay, so we're going to dig right on in here and sort of go back and forth with some questions that hopefully are of interest to you. We certainly thought they were interesting, otherwise we wouldn't be doing them. <laughs> yeah, we've, been, we've had a lot of fun with these questions, and it's been racking our brains this whole time, just trying to come up with new ones. Yeah. Okay, so... We thought we'd start with skepticism because, well, I think that's where a lot of people start, is being skeptical. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for the longest time, I was really skeptical of magic. As much as I said that I was interested in it, I was also super skeptical about it. Yeah. So the qu first question we're starting with is, what makes us skeptical? All right, so I don't... I don't take magic for granted, but I also don't take it for everything's magical. So, I mean, I use my skeptic to keep me grounded and keep me from um, going way too off in la-la land. Yeah. So, for me, what makes me skeptical, skeptical is something that's, like, not understandable through the normal means of deduction that's where skepticism comes in for me. I need to know the answers 
when I don't or can't, the inner skeptic keeps on searching to make sense of it. I have a difficult time believing that something can be done without hard evidence, without visual, tangible proof. Yeah. So that's my skeptic. When I can't have hands-on, you know, here it is solid in front of me, I kind of go, eh, is that really real, you know? How, uh, couldn't that be explained some other way? So that's, that's me. That's what makes me skeptical, is just the whole idea of something I can't prove mm -hmm. in some very tangible way. So, um, next thought is, um, so where does the skeptic come in? Um, go ahead. Okay, well, I think I use my skeptical side when I'm afraid or where I'm asked to trust without evidence. Um, I need to be able to explain whatever it is that's happened so I feel safe. Mm. What's not seen is often what we're afraid of. So my skeptic wants to be able to make me feel safe. Okay. And, you know, that creaking door has to be the wind. I don't leave room for another possibility. But the skeptical side is necessary. It does help us to keep us safe. It helps us to keep our eyes on all the likelihoods of any given situation. Like con artists, you know. You know, if we weren't skeptical, they could take us, you know, <laughs> take us to the ringer. Um, uh-huh. You know, looking for the ben, for looking for the reasonable answer is beneficial, but we're not balanced if we don't leave room for the unexplainable. We don't leave ourselves room to still have that inner child. Yeah. So for me, where it comes in is um, it uh, it keeps me grounded. Like I said before, it keeps me from going off into La La Land um, and going too far into the everything is an omen and magic and grand magic and everything. Um, it also um, it also asks questions that I wouldn't otherwise ask. Um, it you know. It asks me why, for her, in her example of the door, I would ask, so why is the door creaking? And it might say, oh, it's just the wind. And then my inner skeptic will again go, well, is it just the wind or is there anything else going on? Oh, I like that. I like that. That extra question in there. I wish I had that extra question in there. Mine just sort of that stops. Could, <laughs> that could be my curiosity. I don't know. <laughs> I'm here just accepting stuff. <laughs> Oh, um, I did want to say um, about uh, where does the skeptic come in? There can be some confusion about maybe who the skeptic is and then also uh, the negative inner voice that some of us have. Um, and just telling the difference between the two can be, can be a little bit difficult um, because the skeptic often poses hard questions that don't make us feel re really good. Um, but just to say that... Um, the inner skeptic is more interested in the truth of things than it is in tearing us down. So if your inner voice is tearing you down with something, then that's not the inner skeptic. Hmm. I have to think about that one a little bit more. I really have to think on that. It's a really good viewpoint. And I, I think I almost want to say the skeptical does want to tear down what you want to believe it wants to poke holes in it yeah but i mean tearing down the person not your beliefs right 
I'm talking about, you know, like, you know, calling you nasty names and being right. mean and yeah. that sort of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So why work with something we're skeptical about? So I do it because there's more to the world than cold, hard facts. There's, it's good to wonder, it's good to wander, and it's good to just enjoy life and let it be what it is. And sometimes that includes a little mystery. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> to go out of context there. Amen. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, for me, working with something that we're skeptical about, it's like, I want to try and find the explanation. This is where I do get curious. This is where I want to explore the unknown, you know, and I think that that questioning also leads us to things like science. I really do. It leads us to being creative and building things because we do want to know more. And that skeptical side, I think just makes us, you know, I don't know, I think it's exhilarating sometimes because it does make you curious, as you said before. You know, so that skeptical side has a fun side to it as well. Um, in the case of magic, it taps into our inner child, as I said before, that wonder, the imagination, the creativity. Mm-hmm. It's It can be really refreshing. Um, and it helps us to get connected to our own power because it is curious and that curiosity is important so i see the skeptic a little bit like you said earlier curiosity Mm -hmm. yeah so okay i'm gonna go for it how does being skeptical make you feel okay so for this one um it usually makes me feel it makes me feel doubtful and unsure so it's kind of a negative thing but at the same time when you actually answer the question it's a nice feeling because you have that question answered. Or even if it's a maybe. For me, I don't mind maybe answers. Maybe answers are fun because they leave that mystery there. Yeah, I like answers that aren't always answered. Sometimes it's just fun to believe that there's, you know, not something there to be explained. It's yeah. just nice to have something else out there. doesn't mean you have to believe in God or, or, or you know, that kind yeah. of thing. It just means that... You're not t- entirely alone, so it's kind of nice to have that out there. Yeah. That energy. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Did, no, you're fine. I'm good. Okay. Well, I think also, you know, a lot of times I feel like the skeptic side brings me down. Um, it takes me away from my useful spirit. It's making me too grounded. So, mm. you know, I find that it just kind of takes away from the magic for me. Mm. Um, but it also does ask me to keep asking for more so there is that side yeah um do you find it can be distracting sometimes absolutely definitely it does distract me from you know I have to fight it you know yeah I really have to fight it yeah. and, and say hey hush up so I can just explore this let me just try this yeah so I have to just sort of talk to it like it's a person and go you know what you stand over there for now and I'm gonna go ahead and, and try this anyway yeah. anyway um it does help me focus my energy into the magic and create just because I almost want to prove, well, I do want to prove the skeptic wrong. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to go, na 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 boo-boo, you're wrong. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the next one, let's dive right in, is uh, how do we soothe the skeptic within us? Well, 
it's pretty straightforward for me is, is to prove that magic works through action. Um, doing it in spite of the doubt, which, you know, is pretty much what I just said is if I can actively do something and yet not figure it out exactly, I mean, I could explain pretty much anything away. We all can. Mm-hmm. But again, leaving room for the wonder and trusting that we're not entirely alone. And we'll go into that a little deeper later on, but yeah, there's, that's, I think my answer right there. Okay. So, um, for me, uh, I have to tell my skeptic that I tell it that magic is self care. It's enjoyable and it hurts nothing. It's something that is good for me because it makes me active. It makes me think it makes me work and it brings me out into the world more than if I were just, you know, left it alone. And so it's funny, but um, magic has um, helped my confidence and, you know, getting out there and just doing things. And, you know, it's just just having to tell myself that, yeah, over and over again, that it's self-care, enjoyable, and hurts nothing. I love that. I really love that. I wish I had thought of that one. (laughs) I love that. That's so positive. Um, and you're really good with that positivity around skepticism. I love it. Mm-hmm. So would you say, you know, to the skeptical person in terms of believing magic, what would you say to that person who goes, eh, eh I'm, I'm sorry, you're, you're blowing smoke up my butt. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so to the skeptic, I would tell them that being a skeptic is great. It helps you in the world. It, it's a, serves a valuable function but it doesn't leave room for the wonder and it doesn't leave room for the fun of life and so it's that inner child that inner child exactly it's um it's yeah it's a very grounding energy but it's it's not very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't seem to be. Um, I think that I would explain that magic is just energy that we can direct and put an intention to. We are beings of energy. And I believe that the universe is made up of energy. I think a lot of people believe this. Yes. And so it's just particles of energy. And there's this one huge universe full of energy. And we're just a small part of that energy. But we can tap into that energy. And we can mold it and frame it. I mean, we've made buildings. We've molded and framed energy. You know? Yeah. And we can do that with magic as well. And form it into, like pencil point or pinpoint intention that directs it and Mm. makes it into something functional through using energy. We can do it personally. It empowers us. Think of a laser. Yeah. Yeah. It totally, you have the control over it and it empowers us and you have to be able to trust in your own power. Mm. So that's what I would say. Wow. That's such a great, that's such a great answer. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, So can we be both? Can we be skeptical and can we be also magical? Um, Well, yes, we can. Um, There's room for both facts and the mysterious. Um, That's what our 
universe is that we know so much about it but that we know also that we know so little about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the same I think that it can be both and it needs to be both uh, as we said all along it's grounding but it also drives the curiosity um, it you know drives us to prove it's real without that questioning you know we might not now it's okay. We can also just accept it, and mm-hmm. that's that's real too. But I think the skeptic definitely gives us a nice balance, keeps us grounded. Where you know magic can make us feel very ethereal and out there, and maybe mm-hmm. not always so grounded. And you know, some people would say too woo woo. Um, <laughs> magic, yeah. you know, the magic can drive to affect change, and I think that um, that you know, the skeptic helps drive that as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll step up. Um, What do you think of magic when you think of magic? Um, Fairies and sparkles and lightning bugs and... um, Ooh, lightning bugs. Yes. Um, And um, night nighttime and summer when you stare up at the stars and you see the Milky Way and that's all magic to me but it's magic is more than that and then at the same time it is that because it, magic is kind of a nebulous thing it defies it kind of defies explanation which is what I love about it mm-hmm. so when I think of magic I think of all things esoteric and occult. We talk about, um, in, in magic, we'll often talk about calling upon our ancestors and our ancients, which, you know, you could just basically call ghosts um, or spirits. Uh, I think of, you know, spells. I immediately think of spells and ritual, rituals, excuse me, the moon, um, as she said, fairies, the sun, uh you know, uh, yeah, lightning bugs. Love that example. I, as a matter of fact, I miss lightning bulbs. Just want to say, I feel a little, you know, bummed that I moved out here and there are no lightning bugs out here. Oh, I know it. I am so bummed too when I live here. It's just not fair. Just It's not, not fair. fair. But I also think of things like dancing and, mm. you know, science and arts and astrology. All of this, you know, when you find your passion... I think that's magic right there. You lose yourself in it. And it's just this world of, in a sense, innocence, but it's also this world of you feel nothing and everything all at the same time. There's such a great, great passion in magic. And I think mm-hmm. that drives us in our passions. Oh, and I also think of seers. You know, we think of the tarot readers and stuff. Yes. I think of magic. Yep. And uh, as I said earlier, I think energy is magic. That's uh, big strong point for me excellent next question is magic evil or is magic good um no i think magic is intention so it's based on the intention of the person um you know people can misuse magic and people can misuse a lot of things mm-hmm. but does that make it evil no. no. You know, um, 
I, I, you know, people could use a black crayon and somebody could go, that's evil. But what if the black crayon draws the night sky? You know, that's mm -hmm. not evil. So I think magic in and of itself, I genuinely believe is good. Um, but it is also driven really by intention as to how it is good. Now, personally, I don't believe in evil. So that's a hard one for me. My, my studies of Celtic region, um, what I learned uh, is that, you know, that doesn't exist. I think it's within each person as to whether they have an intention to do something good or bad. So that's, that's mm. where I'm at with it. So I have a very short answer for this. It's a, it is no. Magic is not evil. Magic is a tool. It depends on the person as to whether it's good or bad. It's only as good or bad as the person wielding it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think we're just in total agreement there. So what makes it magic? All right. What makes it magic? So for my answer, it's visible results from th sympathetic actions. As above, so below. Ooh. Like so sympathetic actions um, would be like, um, this is a really extreme example and I never would want any, well actually here's another example. This is a good one. So if you need rain because there's been a drought, you could take a watering can and water the outside of your house while saying an incantation and building energy. And that would be a small action, a sympathetic action, to try and create a larger action within the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. That's a really big one. Yeah, it's a really big one, but it's a good example <laughs> yes. for what yes. I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. So, I think we make it magic through our individuality and our beliefs. It's the unseen workings that are yet to be explained Magic becomes magic the instant we put focus into the desire. You know, prayer is a form of magic, and I believe science is a form of magic. Um, when we direct our will, it becomes a form of magic. Hmm. Magic is a belief that we can make something occur from nothing. Science can explain the nothing, the void. Faith can trust in the nothing, the void. But nothing is always something because it's energy. Remember, I believe in energy here and magic is energy in the essence of all we do is magic. Mm -hmm. All right. So that brings us to our next question is how does the occult fit in with magic? I believe the occult is having an outside force that is already a formed energy, which affects the energy around us. So in what we do, we call oftentimes upon our ancestors to guide us or help us when setting an intention that we're working on. That would mean basically calling on spirits or ghosts, that is in, which that's an outside force. Um, in this case, it's that unseen, partially formed energy that hasn't yet dissipated. That's how I see it. Okay. Um, well... I guess I see the occult as, you know, esoteric knowledge from the past. I don't necessarily, uh, I mean, yeah, ghosts, I suppose, can be the occult because they're not easily understood. But um, for me, it's more the knowledge of, like, astrology and um, 
not physics, <laughs> um, of, uh, I just said it earlier, um, uh, alchemy, alchemy. And um, all of those things inform magic um, as to how things, you know, it, but they aren't magic itself. They fit into it as a tool. Yeah, exactly. It is a tool we can pull on. It's an energetic force yep. tool that we can pull on. Yeah, I like that. Well, our next question is, how much of magic is for outward change as opposed to inward change? All right, so um, it depends on what you wish to achieve. Are you looking for the confidence to go to a job offer that um, that you're, you're looking to have? Or are you looking for to get the job offer in the first place? Is it both? I think usually it works on both sides of it. You want something that you work towards, that you create a spell towards. And it both helps you have the confidence to achieve that thing, as well as helping to align the world into a, something that's more closely appropriating your will or approximately your will. That's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I honestly don't have an answer for this question. So the next one is, why is magic inviting? What's its allure? Okay, so I kind of feel like I answered this one already. It, I feel it taps into our innocence and, and it's the wonder of being a child again, which we so rarely get the chance to do as we're adults. We get so serious that we forget we can play. You know, mm -hmm. we are so caught up in our mundane lives of having to get things done and, you know, keep going and achieve certain goals that we forget we can tap into that child and still play and still have fun. Hmm. Um, I think that makes it very exhilarating. Um, see, going with things that are unseen just creates a change for you. So, you know, it's just fun to see what that change is going to be and not know exactly what it's going to be. Just leaving it kind of open as like a surprise. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just that it is individualized. I think that's really cool. It's, you know, it's very personal. Um, and it's always different because it's like a fingerprint, you know? Yeah. Everybody has their own version of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. So, um, like you said, for me, it opens up a world of possibilities that I wouldn't otherwise see or know about. Um, it gives me responsibility over myself, which is really big power, um, and that's the third thing I want to say is power. It brings you power in that over yourself, over the world around you. And, um, yeah. And it's okay to say power. It's really important to know that, you know, you shouldn't step away from power because people might look at you differently, that you're high and mighty in some way. Yeah. You know, power is, is something that we all have. It's just tapping yeah. into it. So I really want to point that out. It's great yeah, that you brought you. that. I'm Thank you. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, uh, why do we create magic? Ooh, me, 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 me. <laughs> uh, to affect change out of a need of desire, um, to shift perspective. Uh, you know, we use 
tools to make it happen, but we don't have to. But everything will take on a new meaning through the course of change. And yeah, I think that oftentimes we just, we do it out of a desire for change mm. and a need or a longing. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just for fun. Just play. Yeah. For me, it's, um, it's, for me, when I create magic, it's taking in part, taking part in the act of creation and that act that, you know, was done so long ago in creating the universe. It's, you know, nudging something here and there and, and creating a new place that may be better for everybody. Yeah. I like that. Being always careful not to affect somebody else that may not want that. Yeah, just always doing it with the idea that it's for yourself and it's for the good of everybody without including everybody, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. In that, you know, how do we manifest or affect change in the world through magic? So how do we manifest, affect change through magic? Um, by using our mind to affect the energy that underlies everything. It's that focus. It's that intention. It's that is what makes the change. It's that energy that we create within our minds of making that intention and focusing on that intention that changes the energy around us. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go kind of back to an answer I gave earlier, which is, you know, the energy is, 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 you know, comes from the universe. That's what the universe is made from. And we come from that energy. I've said this all before. But we can pull on the energy. We can mold it into the intent. We can direct that intent, that energy. And then that energy goes into movement and affects change. So manifesting it comes from, I almost want to say, subconscious into conscious. And then we direct it. So there's an outside force, sort of. But it's an outside force of energy. Mm. Next, let's see. When is magic appropriate? When isn't it appropriate? I think it's appropriate whenever we're looking to create a positive change in our lives. And I want to really say in our lives, as I just said a moment ago, it's important that we don't push change on somebody else Certainly not without their permission. If they ask us to, that's a different story. Yeah. But, you know, we have to always be aware that we never do anything for somebody else unless it's been requested of us or gotten approval. Um, and not, you know, negatively speaking, when isn't it appropriate is like when you're doing it out of fear or you're angry or uh -huh. you want revenge or you've got this negative intent or, or you're not in a good clear headspace. Yeah, you, know, you really have to be focused. And anytime you do something that's negative in magic, it's going to come back at you. It's like karma. It's just going to bounce back on you. It's going to probably not feel good. Um, mm -hmm. You might get lucky and it doesn't hit you, but you definitely, it's just not a good thing. It's like playing with fire. Yeah. Yeah. You get this less than 50-50 chance. Yeah. And, you know, of course... Hopefully, you don't want to hurt somebody else. I know you can get angry, but there are different ways to handle that Yeah. than using magic for that. Magic is an intense tool that really can do harm. Yes. Yes, it can. So for me, when is magic appropriate? 
when you need an extra boost of confidence, when you need shielding from others' emotions. It can be appropriate in many, many places. Um, when isn't it appropriate? When it infringes on another's free will, when it's done in a rage, and when it isn't in the best interest of everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. So who can do magic? Ooh. Who can do magic? I believe that everyone can do magic. I believe that it's an ability that everyone has because we are all made out of energy and that energy has an ability to affect energy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think energy is a key word here today, if you haven't noticed. Brought to you by energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the same thing. The simple answer is anyone can do magic. It we're born with it. It lives within us. It's just a matter of recognizing it. And when we do recognize it, you know, practicing it makes it clearer and or stronger. And it's just like an art form. Mm. You know, a mus musician, no matter how natural it comes to the musician, they still have to practice it. They still have to form it. Mm -hmm. And so... That is like any other art form, any other tool. You have to use it to create it into something more powerful, more directed. So I think anyone can do it. It's just a matter of practice and awareness. Okay. So what do we need to know? Oh, gosh. Um... Well, I think, first of all, we need to know that it comes from within us. Um, as much as it comes from the universe, as I've said many a time, as I also just mentioned, it is a subconscious format, I believe. So we need to bring that into consciousness and remember that it does come from within us. Mm -hmm. um, and that we're not alone in it. Um, so you have resources. So you want to pull on those resources and, you know, whether it's books or the internet or people around you or a coven, um, I think it's really important to know that you need to look for help uh, initially. You can start it from your very own being, but you really want to be cautious. In my opinion, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a very, very careful thing that you just want to be aware and learn just like you would with music you have to get tools somebody's going to give you those tools you know how do you write your music you know you need to have you know what a treble clef or something i don't know how it works <laughs> i have no clue i'm not a musician i shouldn't have used that that as a good but also you need to have ethics that is really important yeah you need to know the ethics of magic and there is which we will cover in another podcast but there are rules that are important before you start. And I would say those rules begin with ethics. So for me, what one would need to know is, again, just reiterating what Tatiana said, is there are plenty of books, there are people, there are websites, though you might want to be a little bit more careful with the websites than the books and the people. Yes, always check your sources. Yep. Um, check, double check. Yep, definitely. And um, be careful. Um, pay attention. Um, do your homework. 
do the boring stuff because that's going to help you later. I know everybody says that. All the teachers say that. All the grown-ups say that. I know I'm a grown-up. <laughs> Are you? I yeah. don't know. That's some question. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, do, do the boring stuff first because that's going to give you the grounding to press forward into your magic and will make your magic more effective and will a, make it better. You need a good foundation. Yeah, you need a good foundation. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to just go into why I personally believe in magic. Um, as I've said before, I've experienced it, you know, in my life, uh, in one form or another, all of my life. Um, it was most commonly while doing spell work uh, and rituals. You know, those were the most, you know, times where it was personal, where I became, you know, like, oh, wow, this, this really works. Uh, I always felt like I had powers. Um, that feeling helped me to feel safe and watched over. And like I was always connected to the unexplained or the unexplainable. Seeing things change because I put an intention out there really helped me to believe in magic. Mm. So for me, I, I have always believed in magic in some form or another that I can really remember. Um, I started with playing with the wind when I was a child and playing with it, making it go faster and slower and making a wind when there wasn't and just connecting with the wind and making friends with it. Because to me, and it still is, it's a living being and it's, it's there to, there to befriend. Um, and I believe in the connection of everything and the un underlying energy of everything. And what you do here can affect things in a completely different place, even without, you know, so-called magic. Because you don't need, I mean, you don't always need magic to, to make something happen. But um, magic is a very useful tool to make different things happen. All right. Each of us agreed we would do uh, one experience that you've had with magic that you might recall. And... I'm going to give you an experience. I've had so many, but I think one powerful experience I had was, as I mentioned in the very, very beginning, I worked in hotel jobs for, well, all, many, many years. And that's all I knew, except for working at Burger King when I first started out. Didn't everybody start at some sort of fast food joint in the beginning? <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like it. Well, um, I started at a gas station. Okay. But... All right. Yeah, I think that you might be the first person I've heard, not a fast food joint. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I started hotel work, but I, you know, got really tired of it for so many reasons. And I, I wasn't making enough money. And I thought, okay, I have all these tools at my hands. I've learned so much. I've studied so much. And spell work was something we studied. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a spell. We were actually, it was a homework assignment. I have to admit, it was a homework assignment. And I decided to do a spell that was really powerful. It required uh, wax and, um, you know, an old candle that I melted down into a cookie cutter format of a star. And I put in herbs and oils and all of that. Ooh. And then I 
burned it. I don't remember the details of where I burned it, whether it was under the moon or something. I don't recall. Might have just been in my house. Who knows? Might have been something real plain and boring. But after I had done that, I took it to an old oak tree that was outside of my house behind my um, apartment. And it was in a business parking lot. So then not nothing glorious, nothing, you know, wondrous yeah. in the forest. But that goes to show you it can be anywhere. And I buried it there under the oak tree. So not kidding you. Uh, most oftentimes any spells I do happen to come true in one way or another, good or bad, within about two weeks time. So in about two weeks time, I was offered a job at school book publishing. I knew nothing about this job. Nothing. I had no experience, not an inkling of what that would be. I was offered the job. I took the job. I made more money. And I could have stayed at that job until, um, well, as long as I would have liked. And instead, I was pulled by other forces to come out to Oregon and, and do other things. But it mm. was such a powerful experience for me. Wow. Um, one experience that makes me believe in magic. Well, I think the most powerful experience in my life, and you might not know why this is connected to magic, but one of the most powerful experiences in my life that I ever had was when I was about nine or 10. And it was very, very late at night. It was like 11, 12. And well, it was very late at night for me at that time. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had to go to bed at eight, <laughs> but, um, I was outside and it was a clear night in the winter and I was looking up at the stars and I just got this slight sense of vertigo and then all of a sudden it was this feeling of like just opening up and being a part, like feeling the whole universe within me and me being a part of that universe, not the focal point, but just being a, an important part of that universe and just being one with it. And it was just an amazing feeling that I haven't been able to, to get again yet. And it's just, it was an amazing feeling just staring up at the stars and like falling into them basically. Mm. That is so beautiful. What a great experience. But um, that has probably been as much my pushing thing for learning magic as anything else. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. I've never heard that story. Oh. We've known each other for a while now, and of course we're still discovering each other. Yep. As we will discover more and more about ourselves with you through this podcast. Yes. Well, we decided that we would pull a tarot card at the end of each podcast. So today we pulled the Ten of Coins. This is my interpretation. It is not out of the book. It is just how I intuitively interpreted this card for today. And it speaks of growth and balance in a very worldly, grounded, earthly possibly monetary or family way. It is a sense of connection to this world and the other world, but we're right in the middle standing and experiencing it. So I see fruition in this and balance and uh, I guess joint ventures and things. Hmm. Very cool. At this point, we would like to tell you 
So you can find us on, and if you like us, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting site that you're using to listen to us. Please join us the next episode when we talk about ethics, the do's and don'ts of magic. I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long. And thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered Powered by by Magic. Magic. Thank <laughs> you.